Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Loudly declaring the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are wasting here, waiting for his cleansing return. Because the end is where we begin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. This March the 31st, 2018. It's good to be with you. We've had all kinds of events that we need to report on this week's broadcast. I hope you're ready. I really, truly hope you're ready. You know, I had a very interesting conversation with uh, my co-host today. He might be surprised to learn that, well, I just decided that he had schooled me so well that perhaps I should post it. So y'all might want to hunt around for that. I'm sure you can scrounge it up from somewhere. Get your trays into the upright position. Get your seat belts fastened. Methinks on the way down to the landing, we may just experience some turbulence. I don't know, but I could be wrong. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's broadcast of the End Time Tribune. I think this is going to prove to be quite an interesting episode. Um, let's get uh, Clinton on here. Just talked with him just a little while ago. Um, had a pretty good conversation with him. I think he straightened out some of my uh, kinks there. I got with this rapturic idea of scripture. Um, but uh, I guess you could say uh, he schooled me today in it, and we uh, tried to put our heads together about what exactly all that means, and well, I guess more importantly, uh, where you're taken when you're raptured, I guess. Uh, Clinton, uh, well, your thoughts on that, huh? How do you think that uh, conversation went today, bud? You know, I I, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it's not very often I get to talk to someone uh, that has your expertise and and be able to to you know talk about something as important as you know the what we're encountering and you know the theory of the rapture or the theory of whatever may be happening coming out of here. Um, I'm I'm pretty humbled to to hear that that uh, I schooled you. That that that's kind of nice. Um, but you know, for me, it was it was nice to to be able to see you know digging down into, for instance, Exodus 33 and and seeing what Moses had to say, and then and then going into First and Second Thessalonians. I just I just thought it was uh, very enlightening, and and uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Cool. I got a got a bang out of it myself. I did. Well, what's been catching your eye in the news this week, uh, Clinton? Or has it been boring this week? <laughs> I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's ever boring. Um, I I can't even keep up um, with all the stuff that's going on. If, if anyone's looking at my Twitter, it's just constantly just articles coming out left and right about everything across the globe. I mean, we have crazy stuff happening. You know, in Asia, we have the Middle East is completely on fire. Um, and then we have this whole saga with the president of the United States and, and you know, just, <laughs> just everything that's developing with him and the Russia's uh, in, involvement in, you know, the, the spy poisoning and just <laughs> there's too much to keep up with. The spy poisoning. That's, that's a pretty good way to put it, I guess, the spy poisoning, but – I guess the main topic of interest is the collusion, right? Not the poisoning, the collusion, I guess. Um, you know, because I took a look around. You know, I mean, I, I, the only place I can, you know, really go to see, you know, well, news in a prophetic biblical slant is go to, you know, the Watchmen, right? And... uh they're all going on about uh, the collusion and, you know, how it relates to Bible prophecy that I, I guess the, uh, you know, I, I guess that uh, the Russian involvement or not involvement, I, I don't know, I guess they can't seem to come to conclusions of whether the Russian involvement in our president's election, you know, how that ties to Daniel's 70th week and Everything else, so I kind of got schooled by more than one person today, I guess, which is uh, good stuff. But 
All right, let's get Brian in the saddle. Brian, uh, what's been catching your eye in the news this week, or uh, has it been boring? Well, I would say to a degree we kind of gave a bit of an insight last night as to how chaotic everything is getting. And, you know, I want to interject something here quick to make a quick course correction from something I said last night. It started bothering me after a while, so I went and double-checked. And sure enough, like a knucklehead, when I was talking about the Oslo Accords, I mentioned Almar Sadat as being one of the uh, leaders that was assassinated. Well, he was assassinated, yes, but I was actually describing two two parallel events as I was going through all of that, and I wish I would have clarified that better last night because I was talking about the Camp David Accords and the Oslo Accords, and I should have clarified that, but I definitely made a mistake when, for some reason, my mind decided to add Amar Sadat to being part of those assassinated from the Oslo, so I wanted to clear that up and hoping I haven't caused too much confusion in that mix, so... Well, you definitely, uh, well, I definitely got a proper education last night. Uh, No doubt about it. Um, Yeah, it's been a good past, you know, couple of days for me personally. I just kind of sat in a rumble seat there with uh, Brian last night and just kind of asked Clinton a bunch of questions today. So kind of a breath of fresh air for me to, you know, Stop doing the output and get some input once in a while. That's that's good stuff. Um, good stuff. I did come away a little bit confused today, though, from these different, you know, uh, eschatology expert watchmans and their coverage in the news. It kind of that kind of left me scratching my head. But all good things, of course, all good things. Well. Let's get the end time tribune rolling here. Clinton, you have the floor. You know, Matthew uh, mentioned our conversation earlier today, and and uh, it's kind of kind of funny. I never even knew uh, it was being recorded, but I'm excited to kind of listen to it myself um, because as we were talking about it, you know, we were we were talking about the the theory of the pre-tribulation rapture and you know how it's based out of you know First and Second Thessalonians. Um, and so I, I found it on Matthew's Twitter, and I just put it on my Twitter as well. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to hear that because right now we have so many different teachings from so many different, you know, experts, so many different watchmen, so many different prophets, or whatever you want to call yourself. You know, we have all these different teachings coming about, and that is is causing a lot of confusion amongst the masses because, well. We have so much information, we don't know what to do with it. So I'm excited to hear this conversation because I think the key is when you understand that the big man himself is coming down, when you understand that God himself is coming down, and when he comes, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be crazy, but it's also going to be awesome for those that have been watching for him. So I recommend you go and you find that that conversation and listen to it, and I'm excited to do it myself. Now, when it comes to what's happening in the news this week, it's just been 
off the charts. It's just been absolutely insane. And I have to go back to, you know, this ominous spending bill, this $1.3 trillion spending bill that, that we passed on Friday. And, it, you know, it just kind of, you know, kept hitting me. And when everyone kept saying ominous, 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 okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it turns out that it's basically an open check. $1.3 trillion to the President of the United States that he can spend however he wants to. He just has recommendations from Congress on how to do it. So that's why later on in the week he was like, well, since the military is incredibly rich right now, why don't we just have them pay for the wall? Well, okay, I thought the funding was supposed to be to our troops or funding was supposed to be to upgrading our equipment or putting armor on our, on our Humvees and, and stuff like that. But no, no, no. He can spend it however he wants to. To give you an idea, you know, $700 billion of that ominous bill was set up for the military. He only needs $25 billion for the wall. So he's talking about using 25 out of that $700 billion to build his wall. And there's pictures of his wall. It's a giant fence that's being built right now because it needs to be see-through. It basically looks like, you know, bars in a prison cell. I mean, that's pretty much what it looks like. And it's already being started. I mean, so this is this is crazy. If you if you, I don't know a better way to present a bait and switch. You know, hey, give me this right here, and I will do this with it. Oh, you gave it to me. Now I'm going to change my mind and do what I want to with it. That's exactly what this spending bill is. And then also, I found something else that was built into that spending bill that just kind of set up all the events of this week. It was something called the Taylor Force Act. And the Taylor Force Act was basically um, pulling funding from the Palestinians so that way they do not get funding from the United States as long as they're paying terrorists' families. So you can stand on either side of the spectrum and go, yeah, Palestinians shouldn't be paying terrorists for attacking Israel and paying their families to do that. And you can also see that the United States can pull funding you know, from not paying Palestine for paying the families of these terrorists. So you can go on both sides of this. But that's what's set up this week was the passing of this budget plan, the passing of this Taylor Force Act. Because once that happened, then it seemed like everything started falling into place. You know, on Sunday we had – you know, jets, reported Israeli jets that went into Hezbollah and went into Lebanon and hit Hezbollah targets. Now, of course, you know, both sides deny it or both sides confirm it. You know, it's, it's this information coming out and then information being pulled back saying, hey, no, that didn't happen, but it did. I mean, we, we also know that even today, you know, there was an Israeli drone that crashed in Lebanon and had four missiles on it. So, you know, the fact of having jets go in there and, and shoot down, you know, shoot in, down Hezbollah targets in, in Lebanon is not too far-fetched. But that supposedly happened on Sunday. Now, also on Sunday, Turkey came out and said that they're starting their incursion into Iraq. You know, the President uh, Erdogan has said that Turkey has begun operations in Iraq soon our position, an area where it has threatened a military incursion two days after sources said Kurdish PKK militants would withdraw from the area. Of course, you know, this is kind of freaking out Iraq. I mean, they, 
they really don't want Turkey going into Iraq like they have gone into Syria. But, you know, Turkey doesn't care. I mean, Turkey's been threatening everyone from Cyprus to Greece to most recently France. You know, I mean, Macron came out and said, hey, I have no problems working, you know, as a mediator between, you know, Turkey and the Kurds. And the response from Erdogan was, no, you cannot come in and be a mediator. And you better watch your mouth because if you're going to support the Kurds, when we release all the flood into Europe, they're just going to go to France. So watch out. You know, you better, better not be supporting the Kurds. That was Erdogan's response. So, I mean, <laughs> the revival of the Ottoman Empire, whoever you want to say he is, Erdogan is really, really flexing his muscles right now. And it's just expanding. And the Kurds are in his crosshairs. And if anyone remembers, the only country that actually supported the Kurdish independence vote of Iraq was Israel. They're the only country in the entire world that supported it. The United States didn't. Israel did. Which is interesting because, well, things continued to build later on the week, Passover week, which is beginning yesterday, in Israel. And on Monday, there was a weird kind of um, oversensitivity issue that happened with the Iron Dome defense that Israel has. You know, it's like a missile defense system. I'm sure the United States sold it to them, or, and they modified it there. But um, supposedly there was some, you know, shots fired in Gaza. You know, just, I mean, Gaza, they don't really have much. I mean, they may have a missile or two or ten, but nothing like what Israel has. So some shots were fired, and all of a sudden 20 intercept missiles went from Israel directly into Gaza. <laughs> just, oops. It's not a human miscalculation. It's not technological miscalculation. It's just the settings were set to too sensitive. That was the response from Israel, is it was too sensitive. Well, of course, you know, if you're in Gaza, you're already on the brink of poverty. You're on the brink of starvation. You're already seeing that this time coming up is, is a time that you are asking for your land back that was given to the Jews after World War II. That was what their plan was for this coming week. And on Monday, they have 20 missiles shot into their territory for no reason. So, of course, they're upset. Of course, they're scared. And, of course, they really don't know what's going on. Well, on top of that, we have a weird kind of, I guess, you know, the best way I can say it is a ritual was performed on the Temple Mount. Hundreds of activists and supporters attended an annual exercise of the Passover sacrifice that was conducted for the first time next to the Southern Wall at the foot of the Temple Mount. In the past years, a ceremony was conducted in various locations far from the Temple Mount itself, such as the Old City, Mount of Olives, Kirat Mose, at the entrance to Jerusalem, the fact that both Israel police and the uh, Jerusalem municipality permitted them to conduct the ceremony in that location might indicate a warming of ties between officials and the Temple Mount activists, as well as, as well as growing popularity of the movement. The ceremony on Monday, which included the slaughtering of two lambs and a demonstration of the work of Kaman was attended by senior religious or national religious rabbis. So, 
I mean, you can look at this in many different ways, but technically sacrifice was just completed on the temple mount. And um, I'm sure that both, you know, Brian and Matthew can attest that this is a pretty big deal when the last time sacrifices were completed on the temple mount. I'm sure that most of you know is probably when the temple was there. So this is just escalating and it's building on what was happening through the week. And then, I mean, you continue on and you have this weird trip, you know, of the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, you know, going to the United States and he's meeting with Oprah and he's meeting with, you know, you know, the president of the United States, he's meeting with all these people and mixed in there, he meets with U.S. Jewish leaders. I mean, this is someone that is not necessarily uh, supposed to be aligned with Israel. I mean, Saudi Arabia has made lots of moves since the crown prince was, you know, basically put his next in line to the kingdom. I mean, they allowed Indian, uh, India to have a nonstop flight over Saudi Arabia to Israel, the first time ever that's happened. So ties are warming, but why have the crown prince meet with U.S. Jewish leaders on his trip? Just kind of interesting that this fits within this time frame as well when there's a lot of speculation that well the crown prince of saudi arabia has something up his sleeve not only has he come out and said that assad in syria will will stay in power i mean they're not planning on taking him out unless he aligns with iran then they might have an issue but then there's also something that was came out about well september 11th on that same day you know, the, a U.S. judge on Wednesday rejected Saudi Arabia's bid to dismiss lawsuits claiming that it helped plan the 9-11 attacks, and it would pay billions of dollars in damages to the victims. So while he's meeting with the Jewish leaders in the United States, the U.S. court system says that Saudi Arabia actually can be sued by victims of 9-11 for damages caused by 9-11. I mean, if you go back to the 9-11 Commission, they said that Israel and Saudi Arabia were involved with the 9-11 attacks. Now, from a court standpoint, the fact that a U.S. judge says, yes, lawsuits can continue against Saudi Arabia over the 9-11 attacks, that's pretty much saying that we believe that they were involved. So, eerie events happening associated with the crown prince and associated with 9-11. Now that was on Wednesday. Then you continue on. On Thursday, you have reports that Israel, they just come out of the blue and say, oh, by the way, in the last month, we have flown two stealth bombers over Iran. And uh, by the way, Iran never knew about it. You know, we're just going to tell you now, you know, just to stir the pot to say, hey, you know, uh, by the way, we can bomb you anytime we want and you won't even see it coming. They just decide to say this the day before Passover begins. <laughs> and then the day of Passover. Oh, my goodness. If you guys haven't been watching the news about what's going on, I mean, Gaza and Hamas. I mean, there's there is so many reports that 
you know, Hamas is going to invade Israel on Passover, that they were going to, you know, do this massive protest up on the border. So Israel came out and said, we are closing down Gaza and the West Bank for nine days. No one can go in or out. So, of course, the the protests happened. And um, the response was very, very violent. Not on the Palestinian side very much. Yeah, they did what they could, but mostly against the Palestinians from the Israeli standpoint. Now, this is, uh, you know, just from the Times of Israel, you know, today. Um, At least 25 Palestinians were injured in renewed clashes on Saturday along the security fence with Israel, according to Hamas-run Gaza health authorities. Hundreds of Gazas took place in a second day of protests along different areas along the security fence on Saturday. On Friday, tens of thousands marched on the border with Israel in the largest non-demonstration in recent memory, calling for Palestinians to be allowed to return to the land that their ancestors fled from in the 1948 War of Independence. It was dubbed the March of Return. By sundown, On Friday, Hamas officials said 16 had been killed, including five members of its military wing, and 1,400 were injured, more than half by live fire. There's reports that tanks were being used. There's reports that massive shootings were happening to the point that 1,400 people were shot by Israeli troops for a protest. Now, yeah, they can say they were scared that they were anticipating, you know, Hamas or the Palestinians to get incredibly more violent or whatever excuse they want to say. But this is a big deal. I mean, this is the biggest protest that happened since the 2014 Gaza war. But in the same token, when you open fire on civilians, that are protesting. This is a big, big deal. And the fact that this is how Passover started. Now, the UN, they, they freaked out. You know, they, of course, they're, they're not sure what to do. They already have been doing everything legally against Israel, you know, condemning them for their actions, you know, trying to back a Palestinian state. You know, they've been, they've been doing these events. And so they have a, an emergency meeting on Friday about this in Israel. Now this is, you know, behind closed doors. So neither Israel or Palestine was invited, you know, and, and we don't know what was said in this meeting yet because, well, they're not going to tell everyone until they do whatever they're going to do, but they're not going to stand for this attack against civilians. I mean, they have in Syria, (laughs) you know, I mean, if anyone's been watching Syria, they've allowed that. And that's why, you know, we have the issue in Syria that we have. Now, when it comes to Israel, for some reason, they just, they have more of an aggressive stance. They, they have more of a bold stance to say against what's going on in Israel. Now, Mahmoud Abbas has come out and, and he's appealing to the UN today. And he's saying, um, come on, guys, you've got to do something. You've got to say that Israel is doing war crimes or they're doing something against the Palestinians for their actions for shooting all these people. You've got to say something. So he's at the UN today doing that to try to get some kind of support 
for what is happening. But we already know kind of the United States response towards the bus. I mean, the, the U.S. ambassador on Thursday said that, well, if Abbas won't negotiate with Israel and the United States, his predecessor will, that they're just going to remove him, put someone else in place that will negotiate on their behalf so they can work out a deal. That's their plan. So him talking to the U.N. and pleading with the U.N. to do something, that may fall on deaf ears. If it doesn't, then the U.N. is going to do something. And if it does fall on deaf ears, they're going to push him out of power and put someone in that will actually negotiate some kind of peace treaty. I mean, the U.S. ambassador said this specifically. So, I mean, the plan's already there. And this is just the beginning of their holiday. I mean, this is going to continue. Israel said that if this does not stop, this... this um, incursion on their border, this protest, this whatever they want to describe it as. If, if the Palestinians don't go back home and shut up, Israel's going to escalate their response. They said this. They said that they anticipate doing this. So, I don't know. My, my, my heart's torn. I mean, as... as Christians, as Americans, we're told you need to support Israel and you need to support the Jews and, and everything else. But then in the same token, you have innocent people that are being shot. You have innocent people that are being starved in Gaza. They're on the point of poverty. They're on the point of collapse. And we stand back and we pull money from them. We take money away. Yes, they shouldn't be spending it on giving it to terrorist families. I completely agree with that. They should feed their, their people. But that's just that's a state of our world. That is what is going on. You can you can fight whatever side you want to, but the facts are the facts. That is what is going on. So that's just that's just Israel. That's just Israel and God. We're not even talking about anything that's going on. And and I, I really didn't plan on going into this whole you know Russian collusion thing. You know that that. Every news broadcast except for Fox News is all over. I mean, that's all they talk about. I can't even watch the news without hearing about, you know, you know, Trump, you know, paying non-disclosure to, you know, his staff or to porn stars or, you know, whatever it may be, or that Russia was involved with the election. And now that we're, you know, putting sanctions on them because of the election. And then now we're kicking out their diplomats and we're closing down their embassies. And so Russia's closing down the United States embassies and, and same with Britain and, you know, closing down their embassies and kicking their, you know, ambassadors out. Uh, I mean, there, I think there's something like either, you know, I think there's 12 other countries or 24 other countries. I can't remember off the top of my head that have also excluded Russian diplomats at this point. Now, I mean, typically what you plan on doing before you go to war is you plan on getting your enemy out of your country and so they don't spy on your people. I mean, that's just kind of basic. So, I mean, this makes sense if that was their intention. But that's all the news talks about. That's all anyone talks about is how Putin manipulated the election, how the president of the United States won't even talk about it, how he's saying that it's not real, that it does, it's make-believe, but yet there's other news broadcasts saying that it's completely legitimate. Either way, 
The state of our union is not strong. The state of our union is not even close to being strong. We are torn down the middle. I mean, when we have the governor of California that sits there and pardons six illegal immigrants out of prison, they're about ready to be deported, and then the president of the United States just freaks out about it and starts going down to the governor of California, we have issues. When we give a, mil- a spending bill to the president as, you know, with ideas on how to spend it, and the first thing he does before he even spends a penny of it already starts to change the plan, we have issues. So you can say you're right, left, middle, different, doesn't matter. We have issues. And either you can address the issues and look at it at, at exactly what is going on, or you can blame someone. And right now, that's all anyone's doing is blaming each other, blaming the other side, you know, saying, well, the left is trying to take our guns away, the, the right is trying to kick out all the immigrants, you know, whatever you want to do, we are completely divided. We are completely broken, and the system is getting worse. I mean, we're, we're seeing reports of just individual issues that are absolutely horrible. You know, I, I, I saw a report of, of someone going after their autistic son and trying to decapitate him for the sheer fact that they were just fed up with dealing with him. I mean, that's the state of our union. That is the state of our country is we are, we are no better than Sodom and Gomorrah at this point. And you can sit there and you can dispute that or you can watch and see exactly what's going on and acknowledge that. I mean, there's a time, there's a reason why everything is coming to a head all at the same time, and Scripture describes it exactly, because it says that we will be like this, and that is exactly what we are. So, hold on to your hat, because it's just getting interesting. And then in the midst of this week, we have... Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, mysteriously gets on a private you know, train that's bulletproof and, and goes into China and has a meeting with President Xi and you know, makes photo ops with his wife, which I don't think anyone's ever seen his wife. I know he's never left the country since he's been in charge, and they treat him like a king. Now all of a sudden Japan wants to negotiate with North Korea. South Korea wants to negotiate with North Korea. All of a sudden, he is on the global scale. He is treated like a leader that he and his father always wanted to be treated like. So the UK, they, they make a response that countries that help North Korea or companies that help North Korea are going to be excluded from you know, doing business with the UK. And then Trump himself comes out and says, well, this deal that I was going to work out with South Korea – I'm not going to do that anymore until we work out this North Korea issue. Another bait and switch. Another, hey, I'll, I'll get this deal for, you know, for you, and then as soon as you agree to it, then I'm going to pull out. That's, that's just the, the way you do business, I guess. But that happened this week as well. And so we got to watch this meeting that's supposed to happen, I believe it's on April 27th, between North and South Korea, because all of a sudden everything is getting really, really nice between them. But then there's reports that there's activity at one of North Korea's nuclear reactors, that they're building a tunnel again underneath it, that they may be starting another site to do another test. So 
who knows what the truth is on that matter or exactly what is developing from them. Now, kind of on a, a better note is there's two different little interesting <laughs> events that, that I saw. Um, one was China. I guess they have a major issue with jaywalking. I, I didn't know jaywalking was something that you really had to clamp down on that, uh, you need to really put a lot of money and expertise in stopping, but in China, you, you do. That's a major issue. And so what they did to fix this situation is they are putting <laughs> facial recognition technology around their cities. So that way it scans your face as you jaywalk and it sends a bill or a fine through text message to your cell phone. I mean, it used to be what they would do is they would scan your face and put you on the big billboard in front of everyone so everyone would look at you and go, oh, that person jaywalked and they made fun of you. But now they're actually just going to find you and send it through text message to your phone. You can't make this stuff up. Like, you, you cannot make this stuff up as what's going on. I mean, if you don't see the interconnectivity that is happening across the globe, then you need to open your eyes and see what's happening. I mean, we have reports that Marriott and Hilton are having it set up to where you, when you uh, show up to get a hotel, you sign something or, you know, do a disclaimer, set up your cell phone to where when you walk into the hotel, it pulls all your data off your cell phone. It puts pictures of your family on the walls. It sits there and decorates it the way you want to. It even has it set up to where when you're taking a shower and you have um, an incredible thought that pops up in your head, you can sit there and use your finger right on the glass of the, the shower and then send it to your cell phone. <laughs> I mean, we are, getting, we are getting into a state that I don't think even, you know, Aldox Huxley could – realize but we are headed towards that and we are here right now just by this technology that is being shown and then everyone knows what's going on with facebook and with google and and there's privacy issues that are that are happening well there's a little interesting thing that, that i found it says u.s tourists will be required to turn over their social media history so the State Department will unveil new rules on Friday, which was yesterday, requiring most visitors or immigrants to the United States to turn over their recent social media histories in accordance to one of President Trump's key national security enhancements contained in his extreme vetting executive order. In addition, travelers will be required to provide previous phone numbers, email addresses, and a history of international travel from the uh, preceding five years, as well as disclose any immigration problems they've had anywhere in the world or any potential family ties to terrorists, including, according to the Washington Times. So, you know, all you uh, trolls or people that have been on social media and, and uh, you know, putting whatever you want to out there, well, now if you want to get into the United States or travel to the United States if you're not from here, you're going to have to release that information to the authorities. Now, we, we talked about last week, they're going to be able to pull your information from any server across the globe without you knowing about it right now. That was built in the spending bill. And then they're also having it set up where you have to show your social media criteria. So you are going to be judged and graded on your social status. 
That is the world we are headed to. And it's already here. It's already being put in place. So one more thing before I hand it back over to Matthew. There's Trump came out and got lots of applause saying that he plans on pulling the troops out of Syria very, very soon. Said we took out ISIS, we took out the terrorist groups, and, and we're going to pull out Syria. And then he puts his little tidbit at the end where he tells the truth. And that little tidbit was, we're going to let everyone else handle it. So who do you think is going to be the one that handles the issue in Syria? When you have a country that is already escalating their incursion against Hezbollah, Hamas, and does not like how Syria is so tied with Iran. Those others that Trump is alluding to that are going to handle Syria, I'm pretty sure he's alluding to Israel. So hold on to your hats and watch out because it's on. So I'll hand it back over to you, Matthew. Very interesting indeed. You know, with the facial recognition and jaywalking, I mean, I see where this is going. And it's pretty obvious that they have to make a rule to force people to try to cross the street. It's the only one way you can do that. You're only allowed to walk on one side of the sidewalk, ladies and gentlemen. So all the people walking on the right side of the road, they have to walk in the direction of that traffic. If you're walking across the other, the other side of the street, you have to be walking in that direction. That's going to force you to cross the street. A bunch of times. So that's the next law coming into place is that you you have to be on the right side of the street to walk the proper direction. So let's say you own a store and you want to go to the store next door. Well, you have to make sure that you go to the right one first. You're going to have to walk to the corner, cross the street, walk to the other corner, cross the street, and walk back to the place that you could have just walk the wrong way for three steps and went in the door. So that's where it's going. It's it's they're just setting you up. You just have to understand how they're setting you up. But uh well in lieu of uh, the rapture conversation that uh Clinton and I had today I decided I better scan the news and uh I found this on uh, tapinto dot net. Now l- let me let me qualify that statement. Uh tap Into.net is a network of more than 70 franchised online local and subject matter newspapers in New Jersey, New York, and Florida with more than 7 million readers. So, you know, just just to to qualify, I'm making sure this is news. But uh, the headline uh, that was just published on uh, March the 28th was Christians celebrate Easter this Sunday. What is the significance of the resurrection? I'll just try to keep this short. This is quoted directly from the article. The inspired word of God guarantees the believer's resurrection at the coming of Jesus Christ for his body at the rapture. So, uh, definitely in the news. Also, uh, Caught it uh, in the uh, Kuwait Marlon News uh, this week, uh, published March 29th. Uh, Neil 
Silberman gave uh, a lecture. Uh, he's from the Department of Anthropology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Uh, he discussed the importance of archaeology uh, in understanding the religious and political uh, division in contemporary Jerusalem uh, during his lecture this week. And he had to say this, that at the lecture, uh, Silberman explained that the Christian evangelical movement has used archaeology to prove its ideas about the rapture. So it's... Uh, Across the board, important that I take a serious look at this. Now, this was also uh, published. Here's the headline uh, from just a couple of days ago. Uh, I was not up to speed on this, but I mean, I was under the impression it was supposed to be a red moon rapture. But it seems like that this journalist uh, has me stand corrected. Here's a headline Blue Moon 2018 is a sign of Jesus Christ's return. Um, let me just read here from this article. I know there's a lot of watchmen out there that I listen to today. That that's that's all they do. They just they just come on and really not, don't say anything. They just uh, read other people's material. So this is an authorized journalist. I suspect I should just do the same. Okay, let's get started. As per the conspiracy theorists, the blue moon 2018 is a biblical sign of Christ. Jesus' return, and the rapture. Uh, those theorists who have linked uh, the Bible's theories with the movement of the moon now claim the return of Jesus. Those who believe in the Bible's doomsday prophecies believe that on March 31st, which uh, is today, uh, the blue moon will announce the end of days and mark the arrival of Jesus Christ. The blue moon this March will be the second full moon to appear this month. It will rise in the sky on Easter Sunday Eve. As per the conspiracist, this is a clear sign of not just the return of Jesus, but also the time when the souls of those who were on the right path will be sent to heaven. And those who are on the wrong path will be sent to hell. Online conspiracist Givate says the blue moon is an undeniable sign of the end times. On his website he wrote, if the planet Jupiter leaving the constellation Virgo on December the 2nd, 2017, represents the birth in the Revelation 12 sign, and I take it that that is in reference and in lieu to, of course, Eternal Rhythm Flow Ministries, I guess is uh, what he's alluding to there. Then Leviticus chapter 12 calls for the 40 days of purification for the male birth and 80 days for the, a female birth. The body of Christ is made up of both male and female, so if you add 120 days, which I guess is is the... 40 days for a male and 80 days for a female, uh, to December 12, 2017, you come to March 31, 2018, Passover in Blue Moon. I guess I, I, I take pause of that, because uh, how many hours we got left in today? Well, here locally, I, I guess, well, I guess this 
Well, I guess the event, the rapture, would transduce the globe much like uh, a solstice would. So, so this rapture would have to take place at 24 different times as the Earth rotates, I guess. So right now it's 9.51 p.m., so I guess i got time to finish the article. Uh, let me continue. Sorry for the interruption there. I just needed, needed some clarity. Uh, adding, many rapture watchers are now considering that on the blue moon on Passover is a high watch time for the rapture. Many rapture watchers are having dreams and visions that World War III will start around the blue moon at Passover. On the other hand, the biblical analysis website said, Scripture nowhere encourages us to try to determine the date of Jesus' return. And then he gives uh, two verses in lieu of that, I guess. Uh, rather, we are to keep watch because we do not know on which day our Lord will come. Uh, Matthew twenty four, forty two, And it seems like to me that, that, well, of course, because the earth's got 24 time zones, so as it, so this rapture will start, let's say, uh, on the prime meridian, right? It would start at the prime meridian, and as the as the globe turns, it would be that Pacific point on the globe. As it rotates, you'd have, well, basically 24 different raptures. So I guess I understand what it, what they're saying there from that verse. Uh, next verse quoted here. We are to be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when we do not expect him. And that's uh, Matthew twenty four forty four, I guess. So, so putting this all together, uh, pretty interesting there. So I suggest that you all keep up to date on that. Uh, you need to just do like I did, do a search for the past week uh, for the word rapture and Bible in the news. Um It kind of puts a kind of puts a dampener on scheduling next week's episode, though. But uh, well, we are going to take a thirteen-minute break, and yes, that is literal. Uh, this file is thirteen minutes long exactly. So I, I hope that uh, what it seemed to me that that perhaps the rapture's already started. And uh, it's going to come around to us eventually today. So we may or may not make it uh, through this break. And uh, I guess uh, we can all expect to uh, – well, that was part of Quentin and I's discussion today about where we're going to be raptured to. So, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, please do enjoy the break. We'll be right back in 13 minutes. You are listening to – the End Time Tribune. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory, that I preached unto you, 
unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remaineth unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the, the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of all of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ that is coming, then cometh the end. Then he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. But he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subjected unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing that I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it, what advantage it, what? advantage of me 
What advantage is it? If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived, evil communication corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness, and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool! That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body, as it hath pleased him, and to have received his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body, and so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such as are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So in this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, 
that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet, and to work, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. 
I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the In Time Tribune. Uh, <clears throat> Brian just sent me a Skype uh, reminding me that I should have finished the quote uh, from the article that I was reading uh, as it proclaims uh, who the true expert on the rapture is. So I'll go ahead and I'll clarify, just, just so you know, I'm quoting from the Colgate Maroon News. Now, who are they? Well, the Colgate Maroon News was founded as the Madisonesis in 1868 and holds the fame as being the oldest college weekly in America. The Madisonesis evolved into the Colgate Maroon soon afterwards. A conservative paper formed in 1969 called the Colgate News, and for 22 years uh, there were two competing newspapers on the Colgate campuses. Uh, after the fall semester in 1991, the Colgate Maroon and Colgate News combined to form the Colgate Maroon News, enter, entering its 150th year. So there's your qualifier. This is pretty serious. Anyway, this was uh, published March the 29th. The name of the article is Silberman on Archaeology and Religious Divisions in Israel. I will finish the quote and include uh, the leader of the movement. <clears throat> uh, once again, this is uh, quoted from uh, the lecture that he gave. It says that uh, Silberman explained the Christian evangelical movement has used archaeology to prove its ideas about the rapture and the apocalyptic terrors the Bible prophesied before the return of Jesus. In the past 20 to 30 years, the evangelical dispensationalism has aligned with Israeli nationalism via political leaders association with leader of the evangelical movement, John Hagee. So I want to uh, thank Brian for uh, reminding me that I should have uh, mentioned uh, mentioned uh, Mr. Hagee there. When I quoted from that article, I want to uh, I want to thank him. And of course, it's time for us to uh, pass the mic to uh, Brian. Uh, you have the floor. Boy, oh boy, how do I follow that up? Hmm. I'm sure I can think of something here. One second, though, while I push my door closed. <clears throat> All right. What do I want to start with first? Well, let's start with this. Released March 31st. And I guess we're still here, so I can read this. Voices from the Arab press, growing regional turmoil, threat of war. Now, this is an um, interesting little compilation that the Jerusalem Post put together, um, quoting from varied uh, 
news sources, um, more specifically Arab news sources throughout the Middle East. And I would have to say that uh, it's pretty eye-opening because, well, the vast majority of what's being said in this article would be correct. Starting with this one, um, this is from coming out of the United Arab Emirates, growing regional turmoil and threat of war. A growing number of security experts speculate that the Middle East is on the brink of a full-fledged war. According to some, this war will begin in when? May. Once the Trump administration announces its plans to nix the Iran nuclear deal. Everybody remember also what else is in May. This conflict could be launched by Israel which would take action against Tehran's growing foothold in Lebanon and Syria. Alternatively, it could erupt over Russia-American tensions in Syria. There's ample evidence to support both hypotheses, and it is therefore remains unclear what the exact source of the next confrontation will be. Either way, this war will involve multiple parties in the region in addition to larger blocks of countries abroad. So, of course, folks, this goes on. We have another article from the um, United Arab Emirates cited in here. The mass march return, the outbreak of a third intifada. Okay, these are just the headlines coming from here. When Arab ghosts of the past come back to life. This is from a Arab website or a Arab news source that's in London. And we move on to one that I'm not going to mention because they pretty much point out there that the facts are a little bit in left field with some things said. So I kind of tend to, you know, when you see that, you sort of question credibility of a uh, report. But this is this is basically gives you an idea of what people in the Middle East are viewing and how they see what's coming down the barrel. So it kind of catches your attention because I can't say that any of what, besides that last article that's quoted, what they're saying is incorrect because, well, they're calling things as they see them. Now, what I do find interesting is in one of these articles, the uh, when Arab ghosts of the past come back to life. This is actually a question I was asking around here just a couple of days ago because I hadn't heard much about him for a while and I had heard there's trouble in Libya again. This paragraph in here, uh, in an even more shocking turn of events, Salif al-Islam, Gaddafi, the second born son of former Libyan threat tyrant Muammar Gaddafi, has announced his intention to run for president in elections expected later this year. Without a semblance of shame or dishonor, a Gaddafi representative announced the majority of Libyan people support Salif al-Islam's candidacy. Again, too many have forgotten the havoc the former dictator wrecked upon Libya, robbing the country blind and stripping the Libyan people of their dignity. This article goes on to point out to add insult to injury, some Iraqis are now publicly the, lauding the era of Saddam Hussein, expressing the longing for the butcher from Baghdad 
who incarcerated, tortured, and murdered thousands of men and women. Yes, folks, I would strongly advise, take a look at this article. Find that again in the Jerusalem Post. Voices from the Arab press, growing regional turmoil, threat of war. But let's, um, let's touch on the weird story that started hitting the news in the last couple of days. Because I've been following this essentially since it was first stated, I believe it was at a uh, discussion with um, uh, some sort of union, um, steelworkers, car, I'm not certain exactly what, but nonetheless, this was sort of one of the um, infamous Trump rallies where he's out talking at these varied, with these varied groups that got televised. And yes, he made some comments about pulling out of, pulling out of Syria, um, you know, makes a rather broad statement about caliphate, then it makes a confusing statement about land. But, you know, even as Clinton pointed out, then he goes, we're going to let somebody else take care of it. Now, after this story breaks, of course, within 12 to 24 hours, everybody's going, huh? What are you talking about? Because people working with the State Department, the CIA, all the administration people in background are going, what in the world? We haven't ever discussed this talked about it, this completely contradicts everything we've been doing in the background. So at first you're thinking, well, of course, this is said at rally type thing, so you don't, I usually don't think those things too seriously. But what happens next? Okay, well, come March 30th, and this is being reported on the 31st, um, mirrored from Reuters, Trump freezes funds for Syria. Signals exit. On March 30th, U.S. President Donald Trump on Friday froze more than $200 million in funds for recovery efforts in Syria as his administration reassesses Washington's role in the long-drawn conflict there. The Wall Street Journal reported Citing officials called for the freeze after reading a news report noting that Washington had recently committed an additional $200 million to support early recovery efforts in Syria, the journal reported. Okay, I'm just going to pause right there for a moment. I hope I don't need to explain why. Hmm. The decision in line with Trump's declaration on Thursday when he said America would exit Syria, according to officials, the journal reported. An additional aid of $200 million was pledged by departing Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Let me put in parentheses, ex-head of ExxonMobil. In February in Kuwait at a meeting of the Global Coalition Against Islamic State. You know, a little question, I guess, Bird on my shoulders asking me why is he getting this information from a news article? Oh boy. That's right. He's not even reading the security briefings that are coming in. Folks, it's barely, I mean, just a little, I guess, side commentary. It's a little bothersome when the commander in chief is 
finding these things out through the news as opposed to, I, I mean, yeah, it, it just makes no sense. But, you know, of course, when you see something like this, at least with me, you start to ponder in the back of your head, what in the world is going on here? And, you know, as I started to go through this whole thing in my head, I, all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, dear. Well, apparently it also hit the Jerusalem Post as well. Trump says he wants out of Israel. Syria, or he wants out of Syria weeks after Israeli border escalation. We'll be coming out of Syria very soon, Donald Trump told Ohio Union traders. Let the other people take care of it now. Washington surprising his advisors, President Donald Trump told rally goers in Ohio this week that he will soon pull U.S. forces out of Syria, where they are holding ground sought by Iranian forces at Israel's encouragement. Trump's impromptu declaration was unscripted, and the White House aides scrambled to figure out whether his declaration amounted to a dramatic change in policy. The Wall Street Journal later reported that he plans to freeze $200 million in basic State Department funds for Syria's recovery. We'll be coming out of Syria very soon, Trump told the uh, Ohio Unionists, and now they're repeating something we just read. It goes on, it goes on. And here's what we've warned about, and I've warned about this time and time again, folks, because this is really what this comes down to. But the policy move amounts to a significant double-take for Israel, which is relying on Trump's vow to prevent Iran's spread across Syrian territory. I'm not how much more certain I have to point this out time and time again because folks were looking at it. Everybody's convinced that quote unquote the right wing, you've got your Christian Zionist movement, you've got your evangelical movement. Matter of fact, all of that was just explained a few seconds ago before the mic was handed to me. And actually, you might want to take serious that last little bit of what Matthew pointed out there, because it is serious. And here we sit. We see it already starting. What to make of this? Well, this is not good. What else does this signal in the process? Because you know, another logical conclusion is, well, who are they gearing up to move on next? You know, this has brought up what's happening with Russia. With the, uh, the infamous, uh, you know, and it's at least some of the journalists are wise enough that they state the alleged attack on this ex-Soviet spy. The alleged attack 
over the course of the week, the numbers have actually continued to escalate. Every basically European nation, those even coming up to and surrounding Russia, Ukraine, jumped on board. They're all removing, they've all removed their diplomats, all their delegates, and vice versa has happened now. You should pay attention to, yeah, there's um, two Russian news sources, which are the only ones I will look at concerning Russian news. And they're not RT, nor is it Sputnik. Um, you, if you want Russian news, you have to stick with two sources. But I'll let people try to go and find what they are because it's a little more helpful in the process. But nonetheless, you might want to keep attention to what the varied um, folks in Russia have been saying. And literally, I would have to reassert, yes, when you start pulling ambassadors and diplomats and you start swinging in both directions with what, for instance, the retaliation, Russia's kicking all theirs out, America's kicking all theirs out, accusations of multiple being spies on Seattle overlooking a naval base. Yes. What are the major moves that happen before war is declared? You start pulling all the ambassadors, all the diplomats. We see where this is headed. China. Oh, there's been a lot of Interesting developments going on there. You know, we, we touched on this last night. Bring this up again. Shanghai crude futures roar into action as global merchants dominate trade. To paraphrase, yes, China's started its own version of the petrodollar. So the um, American blackmail of dumping sanctions on everybody, well... I guess new tactics have to be put in place. Now, of course, we had the um, beginning of the week, we had leaks coming out about North Korea and Kim Jong-un, possibly at first is what was stated, because they weren't certain, but a little green train makes its way to China. They start closing down everything around where the meetings are at, getting everybody out of there for security reasons. So first in the week was speculation, at least. They didn't know for certain that it was him, but they suspected. And yes, it indeed did come out. It was certainly him, and the photographic evidence really sort of sealed the deal. But nonetheless, you know, you could look at this in the direction of going, well, they were there, you know, to discuss things so that they can have the North Korean nuclear treaty go smooth, and China would be on board with them. Or you could actually stop and think and look at it going, um, well, you see, in the Korean War, there's a point in that where North Korea was actually saved by the Chinese people that started pouring over the border. And in the midst of this, we've had you know, the press will tell you one thing, and they, you know, this all ties into how they play the market game. Because, well, they're in the background discussing 
fixing the quote-unquote trade deal so there's no trade war. But then you find out in the same breath that at the same time, the president's been on the phone with Angela Merkel and Mr. Marcone in France discussing China's unfair trade practices. So all of a sudden, the markets keep going up and down and up and down and up and down. Things are happening in the technology sectors, in this sector, in that sector, the social media disaster. And folks, look, I'm just going to kind of point something out very obviously. Um, If you didn't think that you were giving all your information away freely when you start basically handing everything out on a silver platter on the social media, okay, I'm not certain what to say. I mean, you just hand everything. Uh, Who needs to spy on anybody anymore? Everybody just puts it out there in broad daylight. But taking steps further, you know, as it was pointed out, they're kind of watching. They want your social media records before they approve you coming into the United States of America. You know, and people out there, you know, that have been pulling shenanigans on these varied, because there's a billion different forms and social media, social media apps, networks, so on and so forth. And, you know, let me point this out because if people are being sort of singled out according to their behavior on the internet as they sit typing away thinking they've hidden behind some veil of anonymity, if you're one of those sitting there thinking just because nobody can see you and so on and so forth, what you state is a reflection of you if you like it or not. It does not matter if you think you're some fictional this, that, or the other thing while you're doing this. That's irrelevant. You wouldn't be saying or typing these things if it doesn't already represent who you are. So all you keyboard jockeys out there that like going around and stirring up conflict, divisiveness, you might want to think about that for a moment. Me and my wife had this discussion when she got chewed out going on eight, nine years ago. So just pause and consider the next time you think you're Mr. Cool back there assaulting somebody and attacking somebody through the social media. And by the way, to get a gauge on what's really going on with things, I spend a lot of time reading people's comments in relation to whatever topic that may be, and even including the news stories, because a lot of news stories actually have a comment section. It's one thing to understand these world affairs. It's a whole other thing to also observe how people are responding in kind. Because it really starts to fill in the bigger picture. For those that are curious, try to keep an eye on both of those because it really starts opening your eyes to our current world condition. And, you know, maybe to amplify something that Clinton pointed out, America, we have issues. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. At the same time, You know, you watch the comments from other people in other parts of the world. They've got their own pressing issues and matters going on as well. 
But this, going back to the Shanghai crude futures meeting with Kim Jong-un, it's become fairly obvious what's going on here with this meeting, especially as it was revealed today. So Clinton brought forward a couple of pieces I didn't know about, but there was more revealed today with the infamous uh, 38 North satellite that watches it. They're building another um, facility that has to do with their water refinement for nuclear weapons. There's now a new engineering uh, building being put into place that they just started. So something happening here. What? I'd have to agree. I don't think we know. Time's going to tell. But irregardless of the fact, this is changing, changing the entire scene of any peace talks that may or may not happen here. But I don't think when we have Kim Jong-un going over to China, when he did, when it is fairly, it's full well apparent that the United States of America is really targeting and singling out China on a way deeper level now. And this goes with Russia. In the security policy last year, it stated they were a number one enemies. Well, this is moving to that point of war. That meeting, people should really stop for a moment, consider the implications because this doesn't look good. You know, you got to realize on top of it, too, with North Korea, you've got North Korea borders China and Russia. Okay, we've had Mike Pompeo, John Bolton, slid into the equation, moved into... Pompeo's been around for a while, head of the CIA. We know this. Now he's taken over Rex Tillerson's job. And now we have... We have Warhawks that have called for... Well, I mean, everybody go back and listen to your infamous Axis of Evil speech that was given way before all these countries started to get invaded in the Middle East because North Korea and Iran are two of the missing nations that were in that infamous speech that all the rest of it, they've already done. You know, and this kind of wraps back around to the announcement to pull all this money towards Syria. We had a story here on top of it about... uh, Basically, well, I mean, look, folks, let's just be straight to the point. America sometime back here under this administration announced that they were not going to help at all with the rebuilding of Iraq. Now, I don't know how many people have actually paid attention to, for instance, the video footage that you can find in all kinds of different places. Even news reports, say, uh, even documentaries in certain portions of that world, of the world there. Um, you know, for some of you that even watch Vice News, you can pull up and go touch on little topics. You might want to wrap your mind around the fact that they turned Iraq pretty much into a graveyard because it's pretty much the vast majority of areas are completely leveled. You know, and we already know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the whole pretext to go in in 2003, they're connected to Al-Qaeda and Taliban. We all know that that was a false pretext. They didn't have weapons of mass destruction. None of it. Okay, this isn't even up for debate anymore. This is like everybody knows now. But the message it sends to the world is that the United States can go in somewhere and they can absolutely bomb into oblivion and destroy your nation and get away with it. 
Now, you know, and properly so, I do have respect for this journalist. He's a Jewish man. His family, some of them were killed during the Holocaust. The political establishment likes to use these in their articles comparing certain little diplomatic things to Nazi tactics. And they were were actually using this against the Obama administration, too. It's been a free-flowing thing. And I would agree with what he states in the video he made addressing this topic after he finally was pushed over the edge. The problem is, is people don't know their history. They don't study it, and they don't recognize what's happening. But this reinforces something that I began saying around here a while ago inside of my own home. When those history books are laid open, how does America fare in this? Ask yourself that question. You know, like I said before, Germany had to pay reparations in World War I, which led to World War II. They had to pay reparations in World War II with just in the last, I think it was year and a half, I believe, that it was announced they just finished paying those reparations for World War II. But America sends the message that we can go in and destroy and level entire nations, and we're not going to clean up the mess we created when there was no reason for us to be there in the first place. Again, ask yourself the question, when those history books are laid open and judgment is passed? People, you don't like where this is going. You don't like where it's been. But that question remains, what will be the final judgment when we look back at all this? And that's what we're looking at. Same thing with what's announced in Syria. Tillerson pledges $200 million to help. Because, I mean, it's like been nonstop in the press for how long about Okay, we have things, Russia's been hitting some targets they shouldn't be hitting. Assad, same thing. We have guilty parties all the way across the board here. To try to pretend that that's not the case really kind of takes away from the matter. But it is also documented how many hospitals and civilian installations, and this goes on and on and on, that America has been hitting there as well. You know, and I I pose this question. I post it so many times to people here, and they just look at me with a blank stare in their eyes because they don't have the answer. The initial list that was released, under this administration at least, when they made the ban from those seven Muslim countries, why were those nations on that list? they just look at me and then I'd say, okay, next question. Why have we been bombing all these nations into oblivion for so on and so forth this many years? Again, they would look at me There is a vast majority of people that don't even realize what the United States is doing overseas. We have this nation in how many countries? This has been, the numbers keep getting revealed over and over again. And we had talked about several weeks back, somebody sat down and put all the data together. And when you looked at it, you went, oh dear. And this is where we sit now on the horizon. Because tension with Russia and China, it went right where we suspected it was going to go. 
all along. It still continues to build. It still continues to build. When's the boiling point where everything just snaps? And I think we've seen the boiling point where we've always been told to watch. Because now we have the situation in the Gaza Strip. More and more is coming to light over the course of the last couple of days. Hamas has now admitted that, I believe it's five, of the people that were killed amongst the, the numbers keep, they're stating 16, some are stating 17, were killed. I, I continue to see different numbers on this. Hamas has admitted that some of these groups, some of these people killed were part of their military wing. Evidence is sort of mounting in a direction that, yes, there was a lot more definitely going on in the uh, Palestinian side of things. Inflated numbers, so on and so forth. So we're getting a little clearer of a picture here than we had yesterday. But there were things that were stated making matters worse. There was a speech given by the leader of Hamas yesterday in the Gaza Strip that will really give everybody an indication of where this is going. And he pointed out this is basically a right of return. We plan on taking the whole nation, all of Israel. Folks, and everybody is really, multiple stories keep coming out. Everybody knows this is about to boil over. This is about to explode. We get voices from the Arab world that are warning that we're looking at a full-blown, full-scale war beyond what we've been seeing in the Middle East come May. Oh, boy. You know, and I wish it was just, we could just look in those directions and keep an eye on those things, but it doesn't work that way. We've also got serious tensions going on with the Balkans. Earlier this week in Kosovo, there was a Serbian president, prime minister, I'm not certain, but he's, in, he's arrested, expelled from the country. Really rather detailed, complex things going on in all this, but nonetheless, there's troubles of brewing in Kosovo between the Serbians and the other ethnic group. It's about to explode and boil over every day. A new little piece in the equation is added. Multiple, basically multiple nations have been looking at this. They've been warning. They've been trying to ease this. And they're stating flat out, this could make everything explode all over again in the Balkans. You know, there's, there's talk about that one side is, of course, siding with the Western one side is more in alliance with Russia, so we've got that whole part of the equation coming in. And yes, you're going to expect to see that in the Balkans, because when you look at a map, you realize the importance of the corridor that Eastern Europe, that the Balkans, tactically speaking, even all throughout history, presents with Russia. So, yes, yes. 
you are Russia is wise to even be in there trying to talk to different nations because you know you have security situations. You know, and it's not to say that it's not the same goes for other nations in Europe. You know, but it's always that the infamous statement that comes up, like my wife always states, when we're talking about all these different complex situations around the house, she always points it out. Why can't we all just get along? Boy, oh boy. I think she nails it right on the head. But then I have to go back and, you know, start with Cain and Abel and keep going forward. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. It's just things that continue to build and build and build. Now, let's see here. I'm just kind of strolling through things here. Saudi Aramco ready for IPO in second half of 2018, according to a CEO. Yes, I would keep an eye on that because, well, as I brought up before, they're talking about putting about 5% of the uh, Aramco on the markets and sitting here saying he's going to visit the markets here in the United States while he was here. And then, of course, the markets are in meltdown while he's here. Well, it leaks out that they're talking to Russia and China also in the midst of this week, which is that's uh, that's good stuff. Okay, and apparently I have to do a redirection here real fast and look at something. Give me one moment. But we also, you know, two times this week we had missiles shot into Riyadh. It happened again this morning. We had a drone, an Israeli drone, that went down over Lebanon this morning. Early, early in the a.m. We're talking like um, this happened about probably three or four minutes after we got off air with the program we did last night. Okay, now, Matthew, if you want me to touch on something here, you are going to have to touch on this because I'm not certain what you're having me look at. So why don't you just interject here for a moment so I can get a breather anyways. I need one. All right, yeah, we're we're rolling to the end, but I think my last uh, Skype to you would explain uh, it more fully, I guess. Uh, so you might want to uh, check that, uh, that Skype message. But, yeah, we're... We're getting close down here to the end of the broadcast. We've got uh, 13 minutes left. Uh, Clinton, why don't you jump on here with uh, further exegesis on what's been said uh, you know, tonight and comment on what Brian and I had to talk about. Um, so what's your, uh, your thoughts and comments, please? Well, I think, you know, I mean, we, we've kind of laid it out how everything is developing in the Middle East. And, and we have this double speak that is happening. Um, and it's, you know, the double speak is coming from North and South Korea. The double speak is coming out of Syria. You know, we, we don't necessarily know what to believe when you're just listening to someone say something. But when you look at the actual actions that are happening, you see that what's happening in Israel is escalating immensely. Um, it's like they are very concerned it's full-scale war. Now, we're talking about May, and, and the reason that they're bringing up May is, is that's when the Iranian nuclear deal is coming to an end. 
Um, Trump has already said he's not going to ratify that. He's not going to continue with that. We also have the 70th anniversary of Israel, along with the move of the Israeli uh, or the American embassy to Jerusalem, which the Arab world is up in arms about. Um, this Aramco thing, I I am concerned about as well, uh, because we have Saudi Arabia that is has this jewel that they either put on the New York Stock Exchange or they possibly put it on the Chinese exchange. And if they actually put this company on the Chinese exchange, that is going to cause a lot of the OPEC nations and a lot of the other uh, major companies to consider putting everything with the Chinese government instead of the, instead of the stock exchange, instead of the United States government. And that will cause the transition from the west to the east which is very concerning. Um, they're, you know, kind of thinking more this fall that that's going to happen. But if everything escalates in the Middle East before then, then it, it may happen before then. We, we don't necessarily know. But what we do know is what's happening in May is big. And the fact that this event is happening right around Passover, that's happening now. And we haven't even talked about the Chinese – and I, I misspoke the last couple of weeks. I've talked about the Chinese satellite. No, it's Chinese space station. Like their space station is what's coming down. Um, it's all over the news. It's all over the internet, you know, where you can actually track this space station um, and, and see where it's supposed to, to crash. Um, they don't know exactly because their calculations, if they're one minute off, it changes it for like a thousand miles or something like that. All they know is they anticipate it happening. Well, tomorrow on Easter, you know, the news broadcast will say on April fool's day, which, but <laughs> the truth of the matter is it happens on Easter. So, so these different things are, are expanding and growing and they're all leading to exactly what scripture says. I mean, a lot of people are, saying that this escalation that is going to happen in Syria when the United States pulls out and Israel steps in could lead to the destruction of Damascus that was foretold by Isaiah. And if that is the case, it's, it's been talked about that that would be the catalyst of the Gog-Magog war. So, I mean, we have a lot of things that are developing that possibly could happen with, within any, any day. Um, we just got to continue watching and, and seeing if it truly does transpire. That's my little tidbit I have to say. Well, we've obviously got more than one thing to consider because even Space.com has come out and said that uh, Saturday's blue moon is also a Pascal moon for Easter. Now, maybe we ought to just read this. Here's why. Uh, the full moon shows up for a second time in March on the 31st at 8.37 a.m. ETD. That's Eastern Standard Time. Whenever two full moons appear in one month, which happens about every 2.66 years, the second is christened the blue moon. And yet the second blue moon since the beginning of the year, the second time in three months, that two full moons have occurred in a calendar month. What is the reason for this anomaly? The length of time for the moon to cycle from one full moon to the next is 29.53 days on average. It's called a synodic month, 
February is the only calendar month that is shorter than a synodic month, and this year it did not have a full moon. So, to make up for this lack, March ended up with an extra full moon. There were also two full moons in January, thus giving us two blue moons over just 60 days. Though Saturday's blue moon will be the last one until 2020. The mainstream media touted that the January blue moon on the 31st are rare because it also passed directly through Earth's shadow, producing a total lunar eclipse. The last time such circumstances occurred over North America was back in 1866, 152 years ago. Of course, the appearance of the moon as it passed through Earth's shadow was hardly different from most other total lunar eclipses that have occurred in recent years. Thanks to atmospheric refraction, the moon morphed into a lovely coppery red color during the total phase, giving it the blood moon moniker. Now, continuing on, our March blue moon will also have something unusual associated with it. It will be a paschal moon. Spring began March 20th, and 11 days later, the moon turns full. So this is also the first full moon of spring, and as such, is designated the Paschal moon. The first Sunday after the Paschal moon is usually designated as Easter Sunday, as it will indeed be the case on the very next day, April the 1st. So... Now, Space.com is getting ready to get into some pretty important technical data for us, I guess. But the ecclesiastical date assumed for the full moon may not coincide precisely with the astronomical one. So, Easter, in practice, is determined from other formulas involving epics and golden numbers. These rules of state uh, that the vernal equinox is fixed on March 21st, even though from Vatican City... From 2008 to 2101, the equinox will occur no later than March 20th. In 2038, Easter will be observed as late as it can possibly come on April 25th. The earliest date for Easter is March 22nd, which will not happen until 2285. So, um, this is uh, very serious business, I guess, Uh, Clinton. What's uh, what's your thoughts on this information uh, released from Space.com? Well, the uh, the last blue moon that we had was on January 31st of this year as well. I mean, this is the second blue moon in 2018. And, I mean, if you listen to the broadcast that we did back, you know, um, I think it was in January, um, you know, with Brent – uh, we we laid out how you know how there's certain calendars that are lining up with these days as well, and so I mean, you know, I think to to really know exactly what is transpiring in the heavens, we're going to have to go through this time and then look back upon it. But the fact that all of these things are lining up on Easter, the fact that everything is developing in the Middle East, the way that basically scripture has laid out. Um, I think it's something that we have to really, really, really pay attention to. Well, I, 
I guess I need to include some more information. Uh, this information is included in my links on Twitter there. But uh, Fox News come out and wanted to uh, give more information. Uh, the headline is thus, Easter's blue moon is a message from the heavens. So, so we have it from Fox News. But uh, right here it goes, uh, reading from the article, During the days leading up to Easter, the most sacred day in Christianity, the heavens have been presenting a stunning light show. We are able to see five planets with the naked eye. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And Saturday night, just before Easter sunrise services, we are being treated to a blue moon. That's the name given to the second full moon in a month. It's something that happens roughly every 2.7 years. Moreover, this Easter's blue moon is extra special because it is the second one this year. The next time two blue moons occur in one year will be 2037. Uh, continuing on, I just can't believe uh, something as credible as Fox News is mentioning the Bible like this. But uh, reading on, there's no denying the Bible commonly associates major events with anomalous astronomical and meteorological upheavals. But as a scientist and a Christian, I'm always weary about giving too much importance to celestial signs and wonders. I certainly don't believe in astrology. That said, the uh, astonishing celestial fireworks brightening this year's Holy Week inspire me in three ways. Hmm. I guess that, that sums it up just about there. I won't continue on to this particular person. Well, let me see who's been... Qu oh, this is uh, Michael uh, Gulen, a PhD, a former Emmy-winning ABC News Science Editor. Um, I guess that raises some questions, though. Why would a what would a PhD that taught physics at Harvard be capable of winning an Emmy? I thought an Emmy was associated with the entertainment industry. I don't know. Uh, so, yes, even Fox News is jumping on here, uh, saying that something is certainly. Uh, at least priming. Something is being primed uh, for detonation, I guess. Uh, Brian, your uh, your thoughts? Well, ironically enough, I had uh, stopped scrolling the article at the spot of what I needed to see because immediately this caught my attention. Last time we had a blue Pascal moon was in 1999, and that year... That second March full moon fell on a Wednesday. So Easter Sunday fell on April 4. The next time we will have a Pascal blue moon will be in 2037. Why did 1999 catch my attention? Well, it just this is just a little brief summary. I just pulled up, for instance, March. March 24 of 1999. Kosovo War. And I just mentioned Kosovo before I handed over the uh, mic. Kosovo War. NATO commences air bombardment against Yugoslavia, marking the first time NATO has attacked a sovereign country. Hit the rewind button a little bit because I haven't finished going through all this yet. March 12th. Former Warsaw Pact members, the Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland join NATO. 
And I mean, hmm. Let me check something else here before. Well, that'll be for another time. But nonetheless, folks, I've talked about this time and time again, how we've had markers on the nines. Not going to go into those details again, but I've explained 1989 was the end of the Cold War and the collapse of Soviet Russia. And then in 1999, as will be stated by any Soviet diplomat, leader, whatever position or role they may have, was when the Cold War was reignited with the bombing of the Chinese embassy in Belgrade. Chinese embassy in Belgrade. Okay, and we're saber-rattling at both of these. And then we have this. I mean, I don't know, folks. You know, I've got another one up here. Brings up April. Well, here's April 7, Kosovo War. Kosovo's main crossings are closed by Yugoslav forces to prevent Kosovo Albanians from leaving. Okay, folks, like I brought up, this is late and breaking things are happening in Kosovo again that are major. And all worldwide leaders are very concerned this is all going to start up again. So, see, that's that's one little tidbit I pulled out of this article. There's other little things that me and Matthew are going to talk about privately, I would say, after we get done here, because I recognize some things that are, um, how do we put this? I mean, we just had this discussion not even, I'd say, 15 minutes ago when I went out, or, well, 20, 30 minutes ago, I went out of the room to refill my coffee, and the blue moon thing came up. And I said, yeah, this isn't normal how many blue moons we seem to keep having. And we've been talking about this for years. So, you know, I keep that in mind. But handing it back over. Yes, it's, uh, you'd have to really do some digging to find. Now, now take note that it was mentioned there in the articles that the uh, only month that is shorter then a synodic month is February. And we got a blue moon on both sides of them. Now, I'm not going to say too much other than that. And I don't think I have to. Uh, uh, like I said, someone needs to uh, really look into when it was just February that was between blue moons. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, Clinton, your closing comments, please. Do not forget to... Uh, Hand out your websites and uh, uh, your book, of course, uh, that you published, and uh, any other pertinent information that you deem necessary. You know, I mean, uh, the discussion that Matthew and I had earlier um, about the rapture theory um, is actually the premise of of the book that I wrote. Um, Going through and explaining what the theory is and explaining what Scripture says about it. Um, it's, you know, titled submissive wisdom. You can go on Amazon and and purchase it, or you can get it on Kindle or whatever you may be. Um, but I think it's very important to understand the teachings that are out there and what scripture actually says, um, about this time and about what we're supposed to do. Um, 
anyone that wants to, to learn more about me, you can go to my website, clintoncowatch.com, um, or you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my handle is just my name, at Clinton Co-Watch, and I live tweet uh, during the show, so that way all the articles that we talk about in the broadcast are on my Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for your support, and may God guide you on your journey. All right, very good. Well, Brian, jump on here and uh, give out your websites, contact information, and anything else you deem to be pertinent information, please. Well, I mean, I guess I'll go into my closing thoughts. You know, folks, it's trying to condense these events down into, you know, between 30 to 40 minutes per person. We can't even really quite honestly bring everything to everybody's attention that's happening. Uh, and as an ironic, I just, I didn't even mean to use that word, but irregardless of that, you know, people that, if you want to keep up on the news postings, you know, as I explained in last night's show, Twitter for me is basically a place to keep track of all this news. And I post everything to there throughout the week. So if you at least want to stay up to date on that, you can find me on Twitter at over attention or just type in overt attention show with spaces in between each word that to follow. You don't have to follow. I've got people that are commenting on things that are not following me. That's all. That's fine. But you know, I've got a website over at attentionshow.com. And I mean, I would have to say for the last few weeks, I've had a policy of not giving out contact information but I think I might change it because I think there's a lot of things that people might have questions about. And if they want me to answer them, you can email me at thebandsoftime at gmail.com. I guess outside of that, God bless. Thanks for joining us. Well, with that, I guess, uh, Due to, uh, you know, circumstances, I guess, what we're going through, I'll just uh, go ahead and suggest that uh, everybody might want to uh, take a look at Submissive Wisdom. I posted on my Twitter feed. Uh, I'll read the description here from Clinton's book. It says, the current world is witnessing the unfolding of prophetic events and the importance of following God correctly is the ultimate calling. We are required to comprehend God's expectations and to follow his teachings without hesitation. We are instructed to teach others with diligence and truth regardless of selfish motive. Currently, the masses are being led astray from God's expectation and his ultimate plan. Submissive wisdom takes an in-depth look into the act of submission, its benefits and rewards, along with its relevance during the current age. Without this knowledge, the great deception will cause many to forsake their creator and his return. Through diligent pursuit of wisdom, through submission, mankind will be provided with the needs, skills to survive the coming destruction and provide a light within a world full of darkness. That is the description straight from Amazon on uh, Clinton's book, Submissive Wisdom. So I suggest you uh, go check that out. 
So, with that being said, my name is, uh, well, that's unimportant. Um, check out uh, Clinton and Brian's stuff. Uh, please show them your support via prayer. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.